Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed and you've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 205 is from the Kane and Rinse team, Darren Gargett. What a treat. Hello. It is a treat. Yeah, I thought <laughs> I'd mix it up a bit. I've done a few shows with community people, some composers, uh, the occasional solo show of all requests. I thought it was about time I had someone from the the good old gang on, and uh, and you were free, so here we are. Yeah, I was just sitting around, just you know, not doing much, thinking picking your bum. Well, yeah, that's what I do in other our offices. They all they all get equal pickings. It's, you know, do they? Yeah, they. Um... Do you have a rotor? <laughs> you got a spreadsheet. Yeah, I, a spreadsheet. There <laughs> you appropriate go. Appropriate word. Yes. Oh, I, I was actually grassed <sighs> up the other day about picking noses oh. by my my, no. my near three year old daughter. Yeah, she was oh. caught on video picking a nose, and my mum was like. Ivy, don't pick your nose. Who taught you that? She turns around and she goes, Daddy. I was like, oh. Oh, dude. I didn't didn't teach I genuinely don't. I've never picked my nose. I don't like it. I'll blow it. I'll (laughs) give it a good blow. But nose picking's a bit gross. I'll tell you what, right? Every now and then, I don't know why, but in my left nostril, the same Mm. consistency of bogey comes out. And I can Mm. feel it coming. And it kind of wobbles in there. And I think, right, this is it. It looks like a jelly tot. You know, the old sweets jelly tots. Yeah. I think to myself, here it comes, and it pops out. I don't know why it's the same every time. Like I don't understand what's in my brain to, or nose. I don't understand biology. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's your brain. Well, it probably is. Actually. It could be something it's, to do with my brain dribbling out of my of nose. Brain. So, because so, I've never really studied it. I know that other people's bogeys gross me out. This is a high level talk on this sound <laughs> of play. But so, snot mucus is a vessel that the body produces to get rid of germs. Right, excrete excrete germs mm-hmm. it's like a, a, a substance with which to transport nasty bodies out of your system with that's why you when you get a cold you stream mucus right so bogies are like 
when you haven't got a cold, they're like a combination of the, just the general moisture that collects in your nose plus dust yeah. and other bits and bobs you breathe in, I guess. I yeah. It's, it's the picking and eating that kind of, you know. Uh, don't eat them. No, Nobody should eat their bogeys. But the, 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 monk, the apes do it. I've seen it on the TV. Yeah, they also masturbate in front of children. <laughs> don't do that. Anyway, so we open the show with uh, with an excellent track from the vintage Valve classic Half Life, the original Half Life. Diabolical adrenaline guitar. It's one of those tracks I never knew the name until uh, we put it on this playlist for this show. Hmm. I've played the game many times. It was one of the reasons I got a gaming PC back in about ninety nine two thousand time. Spent about a grand to be able to play Half Life and a few other things. Uh, heard the tune obviously at the time. Went back to it a few times, but did that one actually that one actually stood out for you yeah as you know this is like 98 so this is just a year after like fat of the land so anything with like um mm. uh, the prodigy's fat of the land i should say yes, anything right. with a you know a kind of a real adrenaline adrenaline you know pace to it really gets me going and it still does now i still enjoy the faster type of music while appreciating all walks of life now mm. even back then actually but like, i really get on with kind of really fast you know drum bass Oh yeah, I just love it, and I, you know that's that's the reason mostly why the Prodigy are my favourite because they mm. have, by and large, that's their vibe. You know, just high go energy. go for it, high energy, just go nuts, yeah. And that's why mm-hmm. I've seen them thirty plus times live. You know what I mean? Like because you get wow. that adrenaline rush again as as the titular, uh, title, you know, the name in the song, and it's like yeah, yeah. I, I just that that kind of rush just gets me every time. And mm. when you're playing this part of Half Life and you're going up from, you know, you've been fighting all these things underground you're about to go up onto the surface for for, i think it's like pretty much the first time or it's kind of a momentous occasion see outdoors yeah yeah and it's just like there's bombs going off there's you know guys you know repelling out of um helicopters and aliens are here and there and everywhere and it's just it is the like for me it's just the perfect track to fit that scene because it is just all systems go at this point and you know gordon freeman the scientist who's suddenly now john wick you know i I don't really that that kind of contrast (laughs) plays in my mind a bit but it's just like this track, as you're looking up, I can see it in my mind's eye now. As you're looking up, you can hear the, you can see the sun, bleep, bleep, you know, beaming in from the outside. You can you can hear the war zone going on outside you. And then you've got this track mm. and it just, yeah, it, it just perfectly encapsulates the war zone that's happening on top. It's, um, yeah, I love Half-Life. It, it was kind of, it caught me by surprise. Um, we were playing a lot of Goldeneye in, you know, the previous year. Yeah. And my mate, Will, who I mention all the time because he's been a massive influence on me, you know, socially. Kip. Kip, yeah, I know his, I know his nickname. You do indeed. Yeah, he's he's, <laughs> he's he's like a little um trademark thing for me. Like take a drink, but yeah, he was reading magazines and he was like, "Oh, you got to you got to watch this Half Life. It's mm. coming on the mm-hmm. PC. You got to watch it, mate." And I was like, oh, "Okay, well, you know, we'll we'll play Gold Nine. We'll you know, and we'll we'll go from there." And then you know, because he was the one with the PC. Um, I think I said before on other Kane Evans podcast, like I was, I used to go around his house all the time just to watch. You know, cause yeah. obviously because he's my friend, my best mate, and my best man, and all that. But he had the latest stuff on his PC. So it was like, yes. and then our Half-Life come out and I was just like, I need to get a PC. And I was running it like I got a PC with the littlest amount of money I could get. And it was kind of like running in software mode, but I just didn't care. It had hmm. to like. Still uh, had a better frame rate than Goldeneye, right? <laughs> That's not hard, is it? God, Goldeneye's frame rate. Yeah, anyway. But yeah, Half-Life, man. Like I could play that game 10 times over and it'd still feel fun. And I'm waiting for Black Mesa to come out of its... um early access which you know. i was going to ask you about black mesa because i remember you playing this a few years ago and i still haven't mm. no this was a fan remake that got official 
a seal of approval kind of thing? Yeah, I think it, you know, it's probably more detailed than this, but my memory is, you know, a bunch of people on a mod forum got together and started remaking it. And it got to the point where uh, using the Half-Life 2 engine, um, so it's got that kind of vibe to it. Mm. Um, you know, and it got to a point where it was so well done that Valve just looked at it and went, well, you can't call it Half-Life, but sure, go, go for it. And yeah. yeah, they seem to have got fully sanctioned license to use their game. And the music, does it have the original music in it? Um, I don't think it's got the original music in it. I think it's got okay. like newer versions of... Like, oh, like sort of OC remix or type yeah, of thing. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. you know, it, it almost might as well be. Um, yeah, quite but, a few games have done that sort of, gone gone down that avenue now where they've hmm. taken, when it's been a remake, they've taken um, fan tunes. I think Sonic Mania did it. I think uh, Street Fighter HD Turbo did it. It's quite a cool idea where mm. you take cover versions, basically, of, of the originals and put them back into a game. But yeah, um, the, the tr- oh, you said earlier you don't know the names of the tracks. Uh, but that's, I, think, mm. I think that's by design with Half-Life in that the whole thing just flows from start to finish, right? There's no like, well, there's loading screens in between, but they're not really yeah. loading screens. You can see the game behind the loading that's right. bar. And you yeah. know, it kind of feels seamless, even though it's, it's not, which is a smart thing to do in 98. They're a lot shorter than they were back then, especially if you've got mm. a, a, a lot of RAM on a solid state drive. Oh, man. Back then, it used to, you'd be halfway down a tunnel and then you'd have to wait 20 seconds for the next <laughs> yeah. bit to load in. But now it's just like click and yeah, yeah. almost instantaneous. Yeah. But the, um, the track names, because the music's quite ambient, you, you don't really know the music's there until you listen to it standalone. It's, yeah, right. Because it's so yeah. well embedded into the game. Mm. Like some of the tracks, they are just like called. Um, heavy guitar noises and like it, it's stuff like electrifying piano and like that they're the track names for the game and but right. i, I kind of like that because it just wears its heart on its sleeve and this one diabolical adrenaline guitar is just yeah i would actually have that on during one, seal. Of, one of my <laughs> i'd have it on during one of my runs just for a kind of a pick-me-up you know if i feel a bit sluggish on a run i just stick one of these on and it's just yeah this one will get me going a fine opener to the show And as usual, we're also going to intersperse some selections from the community with your picks for this show. And first up, we've got uh, Mauricio MM from the forum saying, This track, to me, is the best musical representation of the region of Velen, with its sinister and melancholic but at the same time peaceful and mellow sound. It's the sadness of a rundown village, the hardships of a villager's existence, and the hostility of a dark corner in the forest. But it's also the pride of this land's peasants, the fascinating allure of an elven ruin and the peacefulness of a hill overlooking a wheat field on a sunset.
That was Midcops Velen. Is it? I can't remember how that. It's been a few years since I played it. Now is it? I think they pronounce it Valen in the game. Yeah. Anyway, mm. yeah, with words you, with words like this, you kind of you have to kind of stab in the dark, didn't you? Because it could be. I'm any, sure they say it a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but like when you read it, I haven't played any of the Witcher games. I think I played Witcher three a tiny bit, and it, it looked amazing, but I just wasn't ready for that kind of game at that time because mm. I knew it was going to be, you know at least 100 hours before you come out the other side. And I, I do fully intend to get to it one day, maybe on the Switch, uh, depending on how that goes. Yes. But yeah, um, with words like that, it could be Velen, it could be Velen, it could be something slightly... I'm sure it's Velen or Valen, mm. they say in the game. But mm. uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an area. Um, but yeah, mm. Mid-Cops, Velen Exploration 2. That's Marcin. Oh no, why do I pick Witcher tracks? Profibilovitz? <laughs> 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 I can't remember, I'm sorry. And Mikolaj Strinsky former guest on uh, on Sound of Play mm. from The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. 2015 now, yeah, a few years ago, and the Switch version is still to happen. Later this year, I think. Mm. Uh, Digital Foundry did an interesting video. They'd obviously got wind of the fact that this was coming before it had been officially announced, and they did a, hmm, would it be possible to run The Witcher <laughs> 3 on a Switch? Uh, and they kind of basically mocked up a PC with the same... Uh, power and the same graphics card tegra whatever it is as a as a switch and tried to get the witcher 3 to run with mixed results it should be said but they did finish the video by basically saying the the thing is here that um it you know it, it this port will be specifically targeted and optimized for the machine that it's on so mm-hmm. you can't necessarily read too much into so I think they did it basically to get some clicks. But um, uh, but it was quite interesting nonetheless. Um, I think it is going to have to take quite a resolution hit, possibly a draw distance hit. But I think, you know, I think they'll get it. I don't think that CD Projekt Red would want it released if it, what, if it didn't represent The Witcher in a mm-hmm. reasonable way. And remember, they did a bang-up job, although it was in a different studio in that it was internal, and this is being outsourced but they did a bang up job getting the witcher 2 onto xbox 360 mm. Mm. so uh kana rinse podcast issue 292 if you want to hear what we thought of the witcher 3 uh and we also did a follow-up show about the dlc but uh, you probably know that by now now we have some signature darren type selection <laughs> coming up this is a really atmospheric piece this is one mm. of the weirdest things about jet force gemini is that and I, I felt this from almost the minute I started playing. You've got this fairly goofy sci-fi game with <laughs> bug-eyed characters yeah. and uh, silly cute bears that can get splattered and ant monsters in it. But it's from the start, it's incredibly atmospheric. Yeah, that's the thing I kind of, you know, listened to this track this week. Because, um, it, yeah, I was just like, I've got to put a rare track in there. Look for the spreadsheet. Oh, not that many Jet Force tracks. Okay, I'm going to choose mm. one. Flip through the you know, the, the lot, and I was like, God, Water Ruin is just really, really good, and like the fact that it's on an N64 kicking out that kind of sound is just absolutely fascinating to me. It's so, it's a bit Mass Effect-y, it's a bit, yes. you know, nebulous, it's a bit like, you know, uh, the, the way I see Water Ruin in my head is that, you know, as the name suggests, it's a water planet that's been destroyed, and there's just a little tribal on a beach just staring out into space thinking, God, what have I done to deserve this? And it's just so, <laughs> it's so 
thoughtful the music like you can just ah oh, like it just you can just imagine just someone just going oh man and then this music just playing in the background or something just to just to emphasize the fact that he's having a bad time because this piece is kind of like really like melancholy but yeah. behind it there's a kind of like a um, brooding force behind it as well it's, like, it's a bit empowering at the same time it's mm. it's a very contrasting track within itself but then you put, put it inside jet force gemini where mm. this game did used to have chibi characters running around instead of you know yeah. the, the fully you know the fully proportioned humans that are in there now but even then like imagine that track in the chibi version of jet force gemini it would stick out even more <laughs> yeah but, that's true uh, but um yeah but the, the thing about jet force it does the it does the two things like there's a level with a disco that, that was gonna be my original track but it's very mm. repetitive so i didn't do it the disco kind of you know night fever music it's where all the ants are dancing doing the night fever dance i thought oh that'd be funny for sound of play well, it's a bit too N64-y in the fact that it right. repeats the next five seconds over and over again <laughs> with a slight variation. Yeah. And this one is just like, mm. oh, God, I, honestly, my brain just sort of almost zoomed off into the galaxy with, you know, alongside the music because it just made me just think about how much death and destruction has probably gone on before, you know, you've arrived with your own little jolly mission to um, <laughs> rescue all the tribals. Yeah, Robin Beanland has uh, recently won the Ivor Novello for Sea of Thieves. I kind of think that him winning that kind of encapsulated all of his music into one. Yes, like it's more right. of like a recognition for him yeah, as a yeah. person, but CFEs is the conduit in which he gets the award. Yes. Because yeah. you see things like you hear things like this and you just think Robin Beanland has just been killing it for, well, decades. 20, yeah. Literally decades. And it's just, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to hear what he does next. Cause he is, he is fantastic. He's up there with the best and, um, you know, of the rare legacy. But I don't feel like he gets the kind of mm. well. He, he hadn't got the podium that the Grant Kirkhopes and the the David Wises had. Right. Yeah. Now seeing this award that he's been awarded, it's just kind of like, yes, come on, Robin, you could do it. And you know, he's um, yeah, he is a force to be reckoned with.
That's Water Ruin, the atmospheric piece from Jet Force Gemini, 1999 on the Nintendo 64 by Robin Beanland. Now you can play that and all the other contents of the Rare Replay compilation, mm. even if you've never bought it or been gifted it or whatever. All you need is a Game Pass account on and an Xbox One. Yeah. Um, which was a very simple way of them adding a whole bunch of stuff in one fell swoop. Yeah. And, you know, they owned it. it. It was kind of weird that it wasn't on there from the start. No yeah. way, but, but there it is now. I suppose maybe, I don't know, I was going to say maybe they're a bit leery of putting retro stuff on there. But there's also, there's actually loads of um, old XBLA games on Game Pass and stuff. So that wouldn't be it. Yeah, I think Banjo-Kazooie was on it before. It um, was, you're yeah, right, yeah. But they just added a bunch more to it, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I can't let any mention of Jet Force Gemini go past without uh, asking you about the process of completing this properly with the uh, the tribal scenario. For those who don't understand, who or who haven't played it, basically, I I played it back in the day, but it was a very tough game. I got mm. stymied at uh, was uh, was it the first Mizar boss? Oh man, uh, um, big ant. Thing shooting yeah that, that, so that's Mizo. he's the yes. big bad in the game i can't remember yep. if there's one or two fights of him but i think there's two pretty it's... much all boss fights in this game are a bit of a chore yeah but it was the the thing you've mentioned to me before about if you're trying to complete the levels properly hmm. that is without losing any tribals the game sort of can conspire against you almost by R rng rng yeah because sometimes so a level is segmented into certain like kind of like mini levels or chapters. So you, you walk through a door and it'll pop up on screen with like a little banner saying there's 12 tribals in here, zero of them are dead, you know, and, you know, you've rescued zero. So you get a nice little handy, you know, flyby window to sh show you how well you're doing. But sometimes you'd enter a level and like someone somewhere has set up a rocket and the tribals just pop <laughs> and you're like, well, cheers for that. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, it just felt s severely punishing. Now, I don't know if they fixed it in Rare Replay and that it checkpoints your tribals per... Oh. kind of sub-level if you know what right. i mean because mm. i found it a lot easier this time around oh. on rare replay it wasn't easy but it was easier than the n64 okay. day so i'm wondering if the n64 game had a level a whole level and you had to go through section by section mm. whereas but I, I don't know if i'm making this up or not but it seemed easier don't know if you because if you lost one you could go back out and then back into the doorway oh, and it would reset okay. them hmm. i don't know um, maybe it was one of those cartridges where they ended up quietly like with ocarina yeah. of time and, and various others where there was a version 1.01 1 .01 and 1.02 right, yeah. and and they kept it quiet because obviously they didn't necessarily want people to know that they'd bought a an early version that was now being improved upon mm. i know that they patched in more contemporary style controls because the original controls were pretty wacky uh and one of the early patches for rare replay enables you to play jet force gemini with a close approximation of what the modern controls on a game like this would be, at least. Do you want a fun fact about this? Yes, please. Uh, before that was patched in, I was contacted to uh, test it for him. <laughs> hey, and that's how yeah. I earned my little rare um, badge. That, and they sent me a little rare badge as a little thank you for doing so. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. My old housemate, Chris, he got, in he got in touch. I don't really speak to him now because I, I, I don't know why. But he, when the, the Jet Force thing was happening, he sent me a little email or direct message saying, do you want to try and test it out for us quick, you know? And I was like, mm. yeah, yeah, no worries, mate. So yeah, here I was. I was at the end of Jet Force anyway, and I was like, yeah, it works great. And uh, they sent me a little pin badge for you. So and every time I do a rare event where I host a panel or a, or a documentary or something yeah. going on rare flavoured, I stick it on as kind of a little reminder to myself that sometimes I do good work. You certainly do. We... That's awesome. 
And you've also got, um, again, shouldn't let this go without having, you know, advertising the fact again that you did the full mm. gamut of Rare Replay. Mm, I'm missing a few. I did enough to earn all the stamps. Right. So there's, okay. there's a couple of achievements still missing, which is like Battletoad Infinite Turbo um, uh. Tunnel, which don't, don't do that. And the, the Grab by the Ghoulies Challenge 21, which is a fun challenge in which you play as Amber and she can only take... She can only take a single hit, I think, and then she'll, you know, so it's, it's a very hard mode of that game. And you used to know that game better than almost anyone on the planet. Yeah, I've done that Challenge 21 more than I care to, so I wasn't really interested in doing it again anytime oh, okay. soon. But it's a, it's a fun game. I, I actually like Ghoulies, but um, as Rare Replay, as a as a ultimate fan, I remember when the stats first came out and it's like 0.6% of fam, Rare Replay fans have earned the ultimate status. And oh. someone from Kana Twitter tweeted me in saying, where you at there? And I'm like, oh God, one day I need to do this. And it kind of played on my mind for years, literally. And then one, once upon a time, not so long ago, I um, I decided to do it because, um, well, basically Perfect Dark Zero requires a lot of idle time. You can just sit the um, AI running and, you know, do all the bot matches for you. Yeah. And, but as a stay-at-home dad, I had the perfect opportunity to have that game running in to a not corner play some games yeah. to not yeah literally just yeah. like walk to the kitchen press start right that's match 4969 and then all of a sudden like Whoa. two weeks later like the achievements would be flying through like a thousand headshots and like you literally you there, there were ways to like glitch the game and that you'd stand on a rock and all these bots would appear in one single corner and you'd just hold the trigger down with sellotape and you'd just get headshot after headshot and then mm-hmm. that, you know so there were loads of ways of gaming the system and yeah Weird. like it's honestly the lengths I went to to get that ultimate fan thing is just obscene, and the it fact had that, to be done though. It's like honestly it, yeah, for yeah, you, I, I couldn't not do it. You know what I mean? And, yeah. um, the fact that I think it annoys me a little bit. Now I'm feeling I'm quite entitled, like self entitled about saying this, but I just want a little thing in Sea of Thieves to tell me that I've done that. Like oh, you've earned that achievement in Rare Replay. Oh. We're going to unlock this special sale in mm-hmm. you know some sort of communication between the two would have been nice or... well you've got you've still got some comms with some people at rare i think you should leverage that somehow use your privilege and just have a word with a few few folks if you can get, when i get, get <laughs> when, I, when i spoke to chris marlowe up in uh, birmingham last year for a little um, gory detail thing i did say to him look loads of us are pirate legends but how about you have a little date and time like a date when you hit pirate legend on your yeah, ship somewhere yeah because Pirate Legend has become an easier thing. Not an easy thing. Been it's been cheapened become, by the noobs. <laughs> <laughs> it's still not easy. Yeah, it takes no. ages and it's, you know, yeah. it's quite tedious at points. But they have made it more accessible for players who don't want to spend 400 hours doing it. But like me, it's just like, but I did it before the patches. I want some sort of recognition. And yeah, all I want yeah. is like a little thing on my ship to say, I'm the best. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, um, that's a just me. A big gold neon sign, perhaps. Uh, yeah, with disco speakers on the side, so I can just play a <laughs> prodigy at people as I go sailing yeah. past. Yeah, and perhaps a, a special Banjo-Kazooie-themed klaxon to say that you've got the ultimate uh, fan in Rare Replay as well. well. They've added some like figureheads on the front of your ship in yes. the You've got the Banjo one that's quite it's, it's quite grisly and realistic, really, and it's really good. It fits the game, theme of the game really well. You've got Joanna Dark one mm. and the Fulgore... Is he the skeleton? No, he's not. Is he? Well, what's the what's the skeleton called in uh, Spi- Spinal. Spinal. That's it. Spinal. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and the, recently the Halo one for the um yeah for the Halo game. Obviously, Master Chief is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, that's the fella. Mm. Yes, Mr. Chief. Right. right. Jet Force <laughs> Gemini. Eh? <laughs> Here we go. Uh, we haven't covered that on Kane and Rince yet. We have covered quite a few other rare games. So check out the back catalogue at kaneandrince.com for those. Mm. Now a bit of disco. 
requested by Sergeant Silent, who says, During the disco missions, this track plays in the background. I get two different senses. First, a sense of acceptance that this is happening and to just continue pushing on, but also a sense of nearing the end, almost as if we are slowly building up to an important confrontation, which is exactly what ends up happening. This is from Hotline Miami, Inner Animal by Scattle. Thank you. 
scattle or scattle. <laughs> hmm. Do I say that weird? Now I've, it's now one of the, it's an odd word, and now it's one of those words that if you say it enough times, sounds weird. Scattle, 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 man, John. Sc- <laughs> no relation to the late, the late mm. and great Scatman John. Ah, uh, yeah, Scattleman. Uh, scattle is presumably the synonym or pseudonym for uh, for somebody, a male or female electronica artist. Sue Cattle. Sue Cattle. <laughs> Uh, with inner animal there, yeah, from Denaton's mighty famous cult classic Hotline Miami. We covered that in Kayla Rince podcast issue one hundred and fifty. That was at the end of our third year. We're now nearly at the end of our eighth year, <clears throat> seventh, is it eighth, something oh like that. God, that's ridiculous. It's crazy. Mm. Yeah, Darren. About... Here's another game we haven't yet covered on the show. Not mm. sure we ever will. I haven't actually installed this onto my NES. Uh, mini SNES, SNES. S- my SNES Mini, mm. my Super Nintendo Entertainment System Mini. Um, I don't actually know how the w- would the emulation work. Okay, uh, oh. this is Stunt Race FX, so there is a there there are there's some Super FX games on there. Uh, Star Fox, obviously Star Wing, and Yoshi's Island. Yoshi's Island is slightly imperfect in its emulation compared to everything else on there, but it's absolutely mm. fine and playable. Um, did Stunt Race FX? So this this predated Yoshi's Island. Yeah, I don't know. Like as a, as a history of this game, I don't really know too much about it. I just mm-hmm. have a very vivid memory of seeing this game around a friend's house in a bunch of cartridges. And yeah. seeing the the front cover, they got like little play doh kind of cars on the front, and they got That's like right. they got cheeky grins on, like they were you know. They're... It reminded me of the old Milky Way advert with the red car and the blue guy. Totally, the race. Yeah. yeah. Or Jimbo and the Jet Set. See that? That's a little bit out of my um time right. frame, is it? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. How old are you? I'm 47, but it yeah. was too young for me, and you're younger than me, so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there was a lot to watch back then, and even more now. But yeah. Um, yeah, like yeah, and I just saw this on the front cover, and I was like, "What is this?" Like, I've never even heard of this before. But popping it in, it kind of, you know, it looks like um, it looks nicer than kind of Star Wing, Star Fox. You know, it's, it mm. looks like a, a kind of a more animated version of that because the cars are very bouncy. I don't know yeah, if you know, I don't know if you've ever seen it in action. Yes, yeah, yeah, they cram it into quite a small window to keep the frame rate up, didn't they? Yeah, oh yeah, it was. But definitely that's the sort of thing you didn't really notice back then. No, the you know, back in the day when I had my four eight six, I put Doom into the kind of the, the postage the time. Stamp, yeah. yeah, just because it had run nicer. I didn't really mm-hmm. care. And you said earlier about the frame rate on Witcher three. Like I've been playing Pilot Wings on my um on the PAL version. Yeah, there you Con- go. Contrasted with the Japanese version, I'm playing them like side by side. I'm still having quite good fun with both. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there are issues to be had. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, I'm still finding it. You know, relatively good fun. But anyway, yeah, Stunt Race Effects is um. Oh, it's um. I remember very, very vividly for the first time in a, like a in a three D racing game, I guess, hmm. of of going down underwater into this like this clear tube underwater, and you could see the fish around you and stuff, and it was just uh, okay. absolutely mesmerising. Hmm. And the game's controls are really like um. There was like, I remember there being like looking back at it now, there was quite a lot of latency between you pressing a button and the car turning, so you had to compensate for a lot of sway. Yeah, a lot, a lot and it's of all di- uh, digital as well, of course. That's we should right, say, yeah. of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, just just listening to that track and thinking about old Nintendo games that no one really thinks about anymore. It was just kind of like, man, this game was just, it was so cartoony that I, I, I couldn't not be pulled in by it. It was just, I, yeah, I really liked it back in the day. And I, I don't think I was any good at it. 
But um, yeah, I, I'm really intrigued to like actually try it out one day. But I don't think, like you say, we'll ever kind of see it again because it just seems to be lost by the wayside. You know, you had similar looking games, and I'm not too sure what the, the timeline is because me with games on the snares, it always happens to be when I end up playing it. So this, I could have played it in '96, '95. You know what I mean? It's just a happenstance that I bumped, you know, bumped into this game. But mm. I remember like games like Hard Driving being out as well, and it looked like a more like serious version in terms of um, visual, you know, aesthetic. It was kind of like, you know, flat shaded polygons and that. But that, for me, stunt race effects is like, if I was to play any racing game around a friend's house at all, it would have been this or Super Mario Kart or something Nintendo flavoured because it just appealed to me more as a kid and even now, to be honest. Yeah, stunt race effects is an interesting one. And, you know, I'm surprised you haven't seen it in a Smash Brothers somewhere, at least just some sort of sp- yeah. spirit. Or what? Um, what they called? Yeah, the spirits in the mm. in the. Ultimate. Is it not not represented at all? Not not that I'm aware of, but there are over a thousand of them, and they keep True. adding more. So mm. you know, maybe we'll ask Ryan on that one because he seems yeah. to have got more. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. So this was called Wild Tracks in Japan as well. Um, it was co-developed, although it was a Nintendo EAD game. It was co-developed by Argonauts, who obviously worked with Nintendo on uh, Star Fox. Uh, but I think it was in terms of gameplay and stuff, it was mainly handled by by Nintendo themselves. So it's odd that there, I don't think you know, there was no licensing issue or anything like that. It's mm. not like Wave Race disappeared for a while when the Kawasaki license lapsed and things like that. But uh, I don't think there's anything like that in here that should, maybe they just, you know, maybe it's just one of those they don't like very much. They're not very proud of it or for some reason. Yeah, I wonder if Mr. Cuthbert's got anything to say about it. I wonder if he worked, he must have oh, worked on it, surely. Probably oh, did, yeah. Because everyone, everyone talks to him about Star Fox or Star Wing 1 and yes. 2. Come on, someone ask him a question about stunt race. Come on. Yeah. Well, if we ever cover it on the show, we'll get in as deep as we can. Uh, so it's the main theme that you remember. Yeah, because uh, pretty much when you're around a friend's house, you've got a very small window to play a game yeah. because you're either hopping in and out of a garden or playing mm-hmm. football or go playing on... Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of like just pop it in, have a go. Same with um, F-Zero, actually, and stuff like yeah. that. It was very kind of fly-by gaming. It's like, yeah, pop it in. Oh, yeah, this intro is amazing. And uh, for most games of that era, it's always the intro that sticks out to me because that's what you hear the most. main theme from Stunt Race FX, a.k.a. Wild Tracks, by a composer, Shinobu Amayake, 
She worked on only a handful of Nintendo games, uh, NES Open Tournament Golf, but only the Japanese version. She did the music for Wario's Woods, and she did uh, sound much later for Pokemon Ranger Shadows of Almia. Hmm. Um, but interestingly, in 2000, this is according to the Nintendo Wiki, she joined Yamaha, where she made most, ring t- most of the ringtones of the NEC and Sharp mobiles. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, since in 2006, she established her own company, AMK Music. Uh, she produces music to this day. But, uh, yeah, nice. curious. Hmm. Now we have something from a game that we are at the time of recording, playing in preparation to cover on the Kane and Rince podcast. That will be issue 382. It's an epic and uh, it's in our continuing series of Final Fantasy games. This is a piece that stood out to me, so I was happy to see a request for it in our backlog of community picks. Dusk versus Tweak says Final Fantasy XII has an interesting soundtrack. It never reaches the highs of previous games, but it's also trying something different, matching the MMO nature of the game itself. While this left me underwhelmed as a whole, there were some great moments. Rabanastre Lowtown is one of the few tracks that have me returning to the area just for the music. It's got some great beats, you can clap along with it, and it balances being atmospheric and a little bit goofy. What I also like about it is that it feels like it could go with any of the previous Final Fantasy games, making the departure of Nobuo Uematsu a little easier to bear. Rabanastre Lowtown by Hitoshi Sakamoto.
That's the original version from the 2006 PS2 game. There's actually a different version of that on the Zodiac Age remaster, hmm. uh, which I like as much, I would say. Uh, I think uh, it's probably one of those things where the one that you know the best, the one that you heard first, is going to be the one that you love. But I think that uh, the original has sort of blends real instruments with some... Uh, you know, synthesized sample-based stuff, which uh, I know our Thomas says that he he's he finds it a bit jarring that blend. But for me, it's um just nice to have that extra bit of organic sound to it. So uh, yeah, check out both versions, see which one you like. But I think it's a lovely tune either way. Really, really atmospheric and beguiling. Now this was one I wasn't expecting to see. A pick from Darren. From a game which I'd kind of, I mean, I hadn't forgotten about it. It's always been in my mind. Uh, I only ever played a demo of it, but it came back into something of the limelight when it was included on last year's not very well received PlayStation Mini. This is Jumping Flash, Mm. a relatively early example of a 3D polygon based platformer, albeit in first person. So was this a game that you loved uh i I always forget because we've got so many contributors what everyone's story is but obviously i know you were big on the n64 did you have a ps1 before you had an n64 yeah i traded in my ps1 for an n64 i thought that was the case so so you played jumping flash yeah i loved jumping flash and i don't know how i ended up having it but i definitely played it i don't know if i finished it Mm. um but i remember playing it a lot and thinking it was kind of yeah a third person platform game i just thought it was utter brilliance like then the way it kind of maybe if i played it now i'd think differently but back then i mm. just found like it was kind of for me it was pre mario 64 you know maybe for a lot of people as well and it, it was just kind of like i can't believe like platform games are kind of like this in first person like 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 a very smiley doom with like a bunny rabbit you know what i mean yeah. i just I, it just it was just something that just totally kind of yeah it took me by surprise i never played the sequel because uh, I, mm. I oddly i never thought I, I always found it a bit redundant. I saw it on the shelf and I thought, right. Jumping Jump Flash 2, why have they made a second one? Like the first one, <laughs> just good enough. Honestly, it's such a bizarre thing I know, to think that's about. Not, that's not your attitude when it comes to like other franchises no, that you've enjoyed. No, not at all. No, I love sequels. You know what oh, I mean? <laughs> Super Mario World, I've already played Super Mario Brothers 3. <laughs> it was such a bizarre thing. It, like, the front <laughs> cover looked almost similar, but yeah. in the fact that it was a rabbit, but it was like an inverted background. So it was like nighttime. And I thought to myself, why have they done a second I one? The think... first one's great. I think I, I do remember the second one coming out and I still I hadn't played the first one beyond a demo. But I do remember thinking that perhaps the world had moved on a bit. So mm. our expectations, it may be that the game had moved on a bit as yeah. well. But maybe it came out after Tomb Raider or something like that, after maybe even Super Mario mm. 64. So our expectations have perhaps changed a bit. Yeah, it's hard for me to recall exactly mm. other than the fact that I kind of sneered at it, which is strange. I, I've, I've honestly <laughs> got such of these games that I've chosen today. I've I've got very vivid memories of me just having this brief glimpse and going, yeah, God, Jumping Flash 2. I remember seeing it on the shelf in the shop that I used to like loiter in. And yeah. I was thinking, why? Um, but overall, like, if you look at it now, like the, the first person platform has done really well for that time in that the camera kind of dips by itself to let you know where you're going. And I think that's like, everyone bangs on about Metroid Prime doing it. But I think Jumping Flash was kind of ahead of the curve with that one. And it kind of maybe should get more recognition than what it, than what it doesn't. You know, um, hearing that it's on the PS1 Classic doesn't make me want to buy a PS1 Classic, unfortunately. And no. I, haven't, I haven't got any of the classic machines because I can't really afford it. Mm. Um, I looked into getting the NES and SNES and I was like, how much? I'm not. I've got the original boxes. I'm fine for now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've I've never played Jumping Flash since, you know, since 96, I guess, uh, or 95. But it's one that kind of, it always 
like uh, when I'm thinking about games in life just to escape what's going on around me sometimes Jumping Flash always comes back into my brain as like such an odd one for me to pick because you know because I associate myself with if I'm not playing Mario or a Nintendo you know I'm playing well this apparently and it's just but you look at it now and you think of course that it kind of represents Nintendo's to a certain degree because it's nice and it's colorful and it's fun and it's you know the, the music's great but if you listen to this track it actually sounds like Super Monkey Ball which is kind of just yeah. a bit like honestly I listened to it down and I was like this is just like a Super Monkey Ball track mm. I could see this appearing in like in the second game or something because the second game is like a kind of twisted version of the first one and it's kind of got these kind of they're like bagpipes aren't they but like a very very high pitched bagpipe like yeah. constantly wearing in the background but what I listened to today was the end of this track, which is like a complete kind of flip on its head. It kind of goes really kind of moody at the end, which I wasn't mm. expecting. Because by the time you, you've heard this in the first level, you've completed the level by the time the track reaches that point, which is quite interesting. But yeah, J- Jumping Flash is an interesting one. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to, to try it out on, you know, um, uh, sometime in the near future, just to see if it is as good as I remember, because I mm. used to love it. I've still got my playstation emulator installed from uh recent uh recently we covered ape escape and my disc and my ps1 wouldn't work so mm. uh i could i could boot up jumping flash it also yeah. made me i think the other game that made me sort of think again about jumping flash even though it's not really the same but i guess there's a vague similarity is uh astrobot the vr game oh yeah. Uh, yeah even though it's a different perspective and whatever but it is a sony published uh robot featuring cutesy platformer so, um, yeah, it, uh, I've, I've played the first world of that, uh, even though I don't have PSVR, I played it on Jays and uh, recommended. It's a, it's a delight. But yeah, let's uh, jump in the grasslands with Jumping Flash from 95.
Jump in the Grasslands. It's got an exclamation mark, as has the title of the game. Uh, sadly, Takeo Miratsu, who wrote that music, passed away in 2006 from cancer, yeah. aged just 46 years old. <sighs> Depressing, isn't it? Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Oh, bless um, him. Yeah. Um, but, well, left us with some things to treasure, at least. Hmm. Uh, yeah, also wrote some music for anime. Um, not not things I'm familiar with, but uh, I'm sure some anime fans will be familiar with Battle Skipper and Ninja Cadets and uh, Detatoko uh, Deta Princess. I wonder if the bagpipes were a constant thing for maybe that, you know for that composer. Hmm. Might be a, a Celtic influence. Mm, yeah, maybe. So our penultimate track in this show is a song, an actual song. Uh, it's requested by Richard from the forum. I think maybe a new contributor requester welcome richard if so apologies if not this is from uh, a band a steampunk themed band who actually you know dress up look the part and stuff like that called steam powered giraffe hmm. and they made the soundtrack for image and forms steam world heist richard says i first became acquainted with the world of steam world playing steam world dig on the 3ds after that i was sold on purchasing anything put out by swedish video game developer image and form I played SteamWorld Dig 2 at launch, but didn't get round to SteamWorld Heist until recently. The turn-based steampunk cowboy strategy game is just as enjoyable as the other, as the other games in the series, with a completely different playstyle. What really blew me away, however, was the soundtrack performed by steampunk band Steam Powered Giraffe. The group actually shows up in the game at various saloons, mm. and I would always stop and hang out for several minutes just to listen. <laughs> I have since purchased the soundtrack, and it has become one of my favourite soundtracks of all time. So I've only played a very brief bit of SteamWorld Heist, so I hadn't got as far as this music, but I listened to the music ahead of this podcast, and I thought it's absolutely lovely. So this mm -hmm. is Honeybee by Steam Powered Giraffe. There was a time I was in love And all the angels and the doves Couldn't make her say I love Circus and start a flame, but you did.
a smile at me. Oh no, grin's the sweetest that I've ever seen. What's your deal? Yes, you did. Steam-powered giraffe, honeybee from SteamWorld Heist, which, again, I know this is a recurring theme, but I can't believe that game came out four years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Four years. Yeah, they've they've got a new one out now called Quest. Yes, yeah. I haven't even even sniffed it. I don't even know what it's about, really. It's an RPG. Hmm. Um, But they did sort of release it all of a sudden, didn't they? It was one of those where they announced it and then released it very quickly, I think. Yeah, it had a shorter window. Like yeah. I remember they announced it a few months before, showed nothing of it, and then all of a sudden it was like, it's out end of April, and you're like, oh, right. okay, cool, yeah. cool, it's on the Switch. All right, yeah, nice one. Mm. Yeah, I've still um, got the Dig games and uh, and Heist in my library. Have you played them? 
I've played Dig and Dig 2 to completion. I got about three quarters of the way through Heist and I think my laptop hard drive was playing up. No. Yeah, so I kind of lost um yeah, I lost some stuff there. I can't remember what happened. It was it was during the time I was testing Rusty Pup and I was playing this and uh Rusty Pup for gory detail. Uh yeah, I, I really liked it. It's kind of um I asked Image Inform if they the shooting of hats in the game because yes. it reminded me straight away of Goldeneye. Goldeneye I was like, yeah. They were like, yeah, 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 definitely a Goldeneye influence there. Because mm-hmm. as soon as I did it, I was like, that's just, that's too much of a nod to even, you know, I had to ask him straight away. And I put my, it's a good game. Yeah, it did. Um, yeah. The whole thing did put a smile on my face, but I just, I don't know why I couldn't retrieve my save. Something happened, which I can't really put mm. my finger on, but it was just like, ooh, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get it again another day. But, you know, I'm happy with what I played Um, from this, you know, obviously, the, I, don't, I don't know where I got it from, a bundle. You know how games yes. just appear and you're I like, know. ugh. I've got so sure. many of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, listeners, as you've heard, please venture over to our forum at canarince.com. Uh, you could do it on Twitter as well if you like, or our Facebook page. Use the hashtag sound of play and grab our attention and request your favourite tunes, and we'll continue to include a selection in the playlist for regular sound of play podcasts. As I say, it doesn't have to be just favourites, but it can be. Uh, you can also pick tunes pieces that have a story for you a meaning behind them or as i say just ones that you think will be enjoyable for us all to listen to please subscribe to this podcast if you don't already leave us an apple podcast review or rating or wherever else you get your media from listen to our other podcasts we've mentioned Kana rinse on mondays that's our deep dive review show we also have playwright on thursdays where ryan and ryan invent new games from nothing as if from thin air and dust and on friday chris o'regan interviews the developers of video games in the sausage factory follow us on twitter as i say at cana rinse facebook instagram and if you enjoy the show and the other things that we make and produce you could donate it would be nice patreon.com slash cana rinse minimum is a dollar a month and that unlocks early shows extended shows uh, an exclusive monthly podcast we encourage more than a dollar if you like but yeah, Kana Rince is at Patreon. We thank you. Uh, Darren, thank you for bringing your picks along to this sound of play. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and our community contributors. Please, please keep those uh, requests coming. Now, uh, I picked a tune from this on our 200th show. It was mm. an obvious pick, uh, but it was the one I had to take because it makes me feel things. But this mm-hmm. is also a lovely piece from yeah. Tetris Effect. Oh, I, honestly, it was so hard to pick a track, and it's probably everyone says this about Tetris Effect soundtrack. I'm guessing, but it was so hard to pick a track from mm. the many of class. But the soundtrack is just absolutely phenomenal. You know what I mean? I absolutely. <laughs> uh, I was really uh, when that game came out, right? I was really umming and ahhing about the price tag, and mm. I went, I just went, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get it. And I think I got like a a card for like three pound cheaper than what it should have been. So like, you get a thirty quid card for twenty seven on some website because you clicked a button. Like, cool, 27 quid for Tetris Effect. I downloaded it. And little did I know, like, this game was just going to completely absorb me for however long, maybe three or four weeks. I would just sit there. And before I knew it, it was like half 10, 11. And that's way past my bedtime at the moment. Because, you know, parenting. I was like, oh my, this game is just absolutely just absorbing me. And this track, you know, it's not, like like you say, it's not the most obvious choice. But first off it starts off with its blinky plonky watery rainforest music so it reminds me of electroplankton from the start and i'm like cool, yeah, yeah that, that that's a nice little touch you know what i mean but then it just kind of just meanders off into this really ambient nature 
tune and it's not one that's really going to stick in your mind as a earworm so to speak but when you're playing it it honestly like all the things that i think people say about tetris effect like oh it's a a zen kind of state game and it Mm. really pulls you away from it just it just pulls you in and it takes you away from life's you know moments and i was just thinking that's exactly what tetris effect did to me and i was i was high score chasing the journey mode on all difficulties actually and i I, I pretty much got up to like of, of our of my friends to the top i was like i'm really like kind of proud of myself that i i'm not really one for high score chasing but when it comes to tetris i was just all over it uh, tetris effect i should say i was mm. just absolutely and the aesthetic is i reckon more than half of the reason why i carried on playing it with my um i've got a sound bar that i don't really use anymore because it's really noisy but when right. this game came out i didn't care <laughs> i didn't care who was asleep i was like right that's going up to 20 and uh, Gemma's dad lives with us at the moment. I keep saying this, but yeah, he's still here. And he's um he's one into his uh into his uh, stronger smoking um habits. And uh, he came <laughs> home one night, and you could tell that he's he's had a few. I said, "Oh, Mark, come in here, mate." Turned all the lights out. Put the put the soundbar up to thirty. I was like, "I was asleep, but I, tonight I don't care." <laughs> Shut the door. And he was just like, "I don't know what I'm watching, <laughs> but I really like it." And I was just like, "Yep, yeah, I think I've just blown his mind." So yeah, um, happy days for him, I guess. Uh, yeah, but that game is just an audio-visual treat, and whatever they do next, I'm, I'm there. Mm, yeah, so Monstars Inc. Is that right? Mon- <laughs> like Monsters Inc. Um, and Resonair made it for Enhance Inc. Uh, Tetris Effect. Uh, yeah, do check it out if you haven't already. It has been on sale now a couple of times, I think, mm. in, um, in digital sales. Uh, and yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough. It's, uh, it's quite an experience. Possibly even more so if you have PSVR, but it's by no means essential. Hmm. So yeah, this is called Forest Dawn, colon Boss Cage. I don't know why. It's by Hydelic. And uh, we'll leave it with you. Goodbye from me. Bye from Dan. Uh, yeah, goodbye. Bye. Not <laughs> See you next time on Sound of Play. <laughs>